The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside still waters. Thank you for joining Beside Still Waters podcast with Christian Javois. Beside Still Waters is the moment in our day when we seek stillness in God's presence, guidance from the Word of God, and grace to live by faith. This is the moment when we view horizontal living from the divine perspective. For the eyes of Jehovah run to and fro through the whole earth to show himself strong in the behalf of those whose heart is perfect toward him. Now here's today's message. We hope it will be a blessing. Welcome to Besides Still Waters. We are starting a new series of conversations about life on earth from God's perspective. And it's called Blue Sky Chronicles. And what I want to do is really look at the, the, the Gospels and the ministry of our Lord Jesus Christ from the perspective that God would have it, and uh, especially in the incarnation, the coming down to earth of the eternal God and fashioning himself, clothing himself in human form and walking on earth among men, seeing our life from his perspective and uh, especially through the ministry of our Lord Jesus Christ and uh, with a view to identify three things. One, as I just mentioned, we're getting snippets of God's perspective on man's living. And we will incorporate some of the promises in the Old Testament, uh, the constraints of the law as it was given to the nation of Israel. Uh, Secondly, the ripples that are caused when God comes too near to people who are not giving God consent to come near. What happens when God gets too near to the things that are important to us? How do we respond? What do we do? What do we say? And uh, we'll take some time to look at uh, the lives of ordinary people uh, that came pretty close to God, and God came pretty close to the domains that they want to retain control over. And this tends to have a ripple effect. I hope that in, in looking at their lives, we will also get a snapshot of where we are in our walk with God. And then lastly, how peace enters into a person's heart, a person's life, Uh, especially when the will of God as it is revealed is known, embraced, and followed. And so we, we go all the way back to the Garden of Eden. And we're not going to take the time to read specific scriptures, but in the Garden of Eden, we know of the creation and especially the creation of man. But what is clearly seen is the heart of God in wanting to be with man. His desire was to fellowship with man and have man fellowship with him. And again, I use 
uh, biblical parlance to say that he wanted to have that, that intimate interaction with man. He wanted to know the man he created, man and woman, and he wanted them to know him. So all the way in Eden, it was in the heart of God to be with man. To be with man. His heart is being revealed. This is what God wants more than anything else, to be with man and to have man be with him. And in due time, as we walk through the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ, we will see that this was his burning heart's desire. And as we look at that, I want you to look at your life as I certainly am looking at mine and allowing my heart and mind to be convinced that God is for me, not against me. And by his grace, may we all get to look at our lives the way he sees it and with his help respond that he might do something unique in our lives, uh, sort of setting free, if you will. And so we see from the Garden of Eden that the heart of God was just uh, filled with a desire to be with and to have man be with him. And of course, we know that man, man Adam, uh, uh, disobeyed the one command that he was given not to eat of the fruit. And... Uh, of course, he was told in the day that he ate thereof, he would die. And immediately upon disobeying, his spirit died, and he could no longer have communion, fellowship, relationship with God. And 900 plus years later, he died physically. And as we, as we look at the proliferation of man and, and, and the nations and so forth, we see the birth of a nation, the nation of Israel, through the forefathers, uh, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and then, of course, the patriarchs, which sprang from Jacob, and uh, their eventual uh, sojourn in Egypt. And uh, ultimately, uh, after 400-plus years, they came out uh, by way of great judgments by the hand of, of Jehovah through Moses, and uh, the nation was born, if you will, out of adversity. But we see in the life of the nation of Israel <clears throat> that God's desire still had not changed. Why? Because he wanted to be among them. Now, of course, we can look back and we see that in the life of Abraham and Noah and Isaac, and Jacob and so forth, that God wanted to 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 be intimately involved in the lives of these men and women. And I will always uh, repeat that refrain that God is interested in you, my friend, to step into your world, your arena, the, 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 the circle of your life and reveal himself to you if you are willing. But it might necessitate letting go of a few things uh, and embracing what might be put before you by the Spirit of God. But we see in the nation of Israel that Moses was uh, eventually instructed uh, in his communion with God to uh, 
uh, have the tabernacle in the wilderness uh, created, built, if you will, through the materials that the nation, the people would provide, because this would be the place where God would meet yet again with his people. He came down and dwelt in that tabernacle. And they were given, of course, a set of uh, 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 religious and, and um, uh, practices, if you will, through the law and offerings and, and washings and so forth. Uh, to maintain this relationship and, and a, a high priest would be ordained and so forth. And he would represent the people. And of course, once per year, he would go into the Holy of Holies, never without blood. But all of this, again, was a revelation of what God desires for his people, that he might be among them. And then as the nation grew and got established in the, in the place of, of blessing, uh, that is Canaan, uh, it was put into David's heart to uh, erect a temple, a physical place in Jerusalem where God would yet again come down and be among his people. And sad to say, uh, as the kings uh, began to multiply in the land and then the uh, nation uh, experienced a, um, a split, if you will, the northern and the southern kingdom, uh, Judah and Benjamin, of course, the northern uh, tribes. And ultimately, the northern tribes got taken away by the Assyrians because of idol worship and their uh, apostasy from the living God himself. And ultimately, Judah as well, in due course. And uh, from there, the Shekinah glory of God returned to heaven. And we see the uh, final book of the Old Testament, Malachi, after which there were approximately 400 years. Which brings us to this momentous occasion, <clears throat> the Incarnation. And this is just a wonderful uh, event, a milestone event, because this tells us what burns in the heart of God, how his desire is I want to be with you. I want to be among men. But there are challenges that God faces if he would become a man like us, if he would clothe himself in human form. Now, one of the problems is God can very well say to us, I've given you promises, assurances in the first covenant, under the first covenant, the Old Testament, as we would call it, but uh, we have, of course, you know, the, the, the uh, first five books of, of the Bible and then, of course, the, the, the prophets and the poetic books and so forth and so on. So in, in one of the major prophets, Isaiah, God says to us, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God the everlasting father or the father of eternity, the prince of peace. So God can rightly say, I have a dilemma that I need to resolve. If I'm going to fulfill, for example, this promise that I spoke through Isaiah, well, a child has to be born. That constrains me to come as a human being. But this child must grow to adulthood and govern. 
eventually the nation of Israel, as is promised to David. I gave a promise to David that I would never let there be, his, his lineage will never lack for a man to sit on his throne. But not only that, I would have to be the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the eternal God, and ultimately bring true peace on earth. And how would I do that? Well, the only way I can hear God saying, if you will, the only way that I can achieve this wonderful promise on behalf of all mankind, and especially among those who are the the believing, the sons of God, I have to come down to earth clothed in flesh without relinquishing and diminishing all that I am as God. And so we see in Isaiah 9 and 6, for God to be to us who he needed to be to us, he needed to come down and establish himself in the form of an ordinary human being while yet retaining his eternal nature as God. And the only way that that could be achieved is through the incarnation. There is no other way. God knew in order to establish someone on David's throne forever without end, that person must have as part of his character, his, um, how can I say, personality traits, for lack of a better word, he must be eternal in nature. He must be God to be the father of eternity, to be a wonderful counselor, the limitlessness of the wisdom and knowledge and understanding of God with which he formed the heavens and the earth and maintains them by the might of his power and to finally grant peace, true peace, in the hearts of men and upon the earth, he has to come as a human being. So from God's perspective, That is the only way that this can be achieved. Now, just imagine for a second that God is coming into your village, your world. And as he did in Bethlehem to be born, just as he said to Isaiah, as a child. And he says, Bethlehem Ephrathah, little to be among the thousands of Judah, out of you shall he come forth unto me who is to be ruler in Israel. So here is the living God through the incarnation fulfilling a promise that he made under the old covenant. And he is identifying a an insignificant village or town, if you will, and revealing something of himself, which is simply this. I'm coming down to Bethlehem and I'm coming in the form of a child, but I am also the one who is going to rule Israel ultimately. And 
in the event you want to know who I am, I am the God of old, the God of eternity. My friends, what was about to happen in Bethlehem was a most significant event. God is paying a visit to earth. But not only that, I think what's noteworthy is there are always going to be challenges, very significant challenges. Because when uh, one ruler, if you will, visits another (laughs) ruler, uh, there are uh, some thorny issues that we have to um, work out. For example, we see in our normal governmental processes that if, if one leader is coming from uh, a country, say the, 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 uh, the leader of Russia is coming to America, okay, there's, there's a protocol to be followed. You know, there are ambassadors that are sent forth and, and they're, they're communicating, if you will, behind the scenes. But it's a little more problematic with God because men know instinctively that if God is, that means he rules and owns everything. And if he's going to be visiting earth, there are going to be some uh, uh, challenges, if you will, from the governments that are now in power because there are territorial issues to be resolved. For example, uh, Jesus was born in Bethlehem in the days of Herod the king. Now, Magi came from the east and they said, where is the king of the Jews that has been born? We've seen his star in the east and have come to do him homage. Now, this is a problem because you are talking about a, a local people's group that are being ruled by the Roman government. And the Magi is stating that there's a king born right in their midst. Now, this is a challenge to uh, a territorial domain because we are told that Herod, having heard of it, was troubled and the entire city of Jerusalem as well because what do you do Herod is the king now we are told another king is coming does he should he engage the Romans for uh, you know perhaps a contingent of soldiers what should be done and you see this is part of the problem when we think of God coming down on earth it creates ripples Because we are forced as people to look at the areas of our lives, both socially and personally and governmentally, that we control. And now that we are being told that God is going to pay us a visit, in this particular case, the King of the Jews. But for all of us, if the incarnation is indeed a fact, then we have to wrestle with the domain that I govern. You see, if God is sovereign, if I claim his sovereignty, I must of necessity relinquish mine. (laughs) And so Herod is faced with the ripple effects 
of hearing this news. Not only that, the Magi said, we have come to worship him. Now, my mortality (laughs) is in question because I am mortal. I must die. But if this leader of Israel, this one that has been promised, is in fact coming and is worthy of worship, then he is divine. And so the ripple effect is being felt right in Jerusalem, right in Herod's throne room. And I want to say also in your life and mine, there are ripple effects if we would embrace the visit that God made on earth and the domain that I have control over and you, perhaps. But there are other ripple effects. We have a young woman, teenager, virgin, and like any visit of, uh, of a ruler in our world, uh, the ambassadors are the ones that are sent forth to present an announcement. Now, God has a problem, see, because his domain is not earth in the very physical sense of the word. Of course, he owns the earth and all that is in it. Uh, The world is mine in in its fullness. You know, the cattle upon a thousand hills belongs to God, the gold and the silver. And we are but renters on earth. But we don't view ourselves as such. We view ourselves as the owners. And so if God is going to be visiting a domain in which he does not participate in the active sense of the word that we have allowed him to, he would, of necessity, have to send his emissaries, his ambassadors, to announce his coming. And so he did so with a young virgin girl, and uh, he sent an angel. I, I think it's noteworthy, too, that uh, she, Mary had the presence of mind to be able to converse with, <laughs> with an angel, Uh, And in this case, the angel Gabriel was sent not only to Elizabeth, her cousin, but certainly to uh, Mary and uh, Zechariah as well. But that's another uh, example of what happens when God steps into a domain that he's not uh, overtly welcomed. But she was told that she would bring forth a son and will call his name Jesus because he shall save his people from their sins. So the ambassador that brings the news right out of heaven's throne room is simply telling her that she is going to be the instrument that God will use to bring forth this son of eternity, the son of God himself, the one who was promised the child that would be born to us 
the one to whom a government would be given, and he would shoulder its burdens, and he would be called one's wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the father of eternity, the prince of peace. And he would choose to use a young virgin girl to bypass the normal uh, uh, processes of bringing a child into the world and conceive in her womb so that the Son of God, the second of the Trinity, would have a physical body prepared for him. This is just one of the greatest miracles ever. That God would bend, break, change his rules in order to step down and spend time with us. But we also need to keep in mind that God is a God of truth. And there are some problems, some challenges in visiting us. When he visits us, there, the conditions upon which and within which he must exist has a problem that needs to be addressed, and that is the presence of sin in the cosmos. We are told in Romans 5 that as by one man sin entered the world and death by sin, so death passed upon all men. And if God truly is as he reveals himself, as wanting to be among men and have men with him, as he did in the garden, as he did in the tabernacle, as he did in the temple, and now as he's doing with a personal visit, there is the problem and issue of the nature that permeates our very being, this fallen human nature that is infected with whole-scale rebellion, a nature that is at war with God. And so in this visit, God is coming into enemy territory. And we will see, perhaps later, that by Herod's response, God was considered an enemy. And my friends, many of us view God as an enemy. We would never verbalize it. But when he lays claim by his great and precious promises to be to us life, resurrection, the door, the bread from heaven, in order to receive these gifts and graces of God, we have to relinquish the control of our domain, our hearts, our affections, our minds, our wills, and yield, submit, embrace what God is offering, which is forgiveness of sins, of crimes against God, a changed nature by the indwelling regenerative power and presence and work of the Holy Spirit, a renewed mind, a new purpose, a new beginning, a different tract for eternity. And so he tells this young virgin girl, 
that his name will be called Jesus. Jehovah saves. And God wants to reveal to you and me what he can do in our lives by saving us very often, not only from our fallen human nature, but from our very selves. We are our worst enemy. And unknown to us, we consider God, the nature we're born with, considers God an enemy to take over what is our domain. But not only that, in Matthew chapter 1, we are also told that the virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is being interpreted God with us. And here we see yet again the heart of God towards every man, woman, boy, and girl. He wants to be with us. My dear friend, I don't know where you are. I don't know what you may be wrestling with today. But I am here to tell you that one desire that burns in the heart of God for you is to be with you. To be your constant companion, friend, to provide the grace necessary to live day by day in his presence. To be available that when you call upon him in the day of your trouble, as Psalm 50 says, he says, I will deliver you and you shall glorify me. Call upon me. He wants to be with you, with me, with men, women, boys and girls, people. He longs for them to be with him. He longs to be with them. Emmanuel, God, with us. And this is what is about to happen. God has come down, clothed himself in flesh, given himself a name, Jesus, the son of Joseph and Mary, the carpenter's son. And he looks like an ordinary man, but embedded in that cloak of flesh is the eternal God, limitless in power, in beauty, grace, wisdom, understanding, and all the attributes that make him all that he is that we will never be able to understand or comprehend. And we are told, for example, in, in Luke chapter 1, that he shall be great, shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God shall give him the throne of his father David. See, God is faced not only with a challenge in terms of how does he tell people that he's coming? The only emissaries, the only ambassadors that he has are angels. And, you know, if, if we saw an angel, and when we see the Old Testament you know, the power of these angels, it's overwhelming. <clears throat> and he used these uh, angelic emissaries to announce to the earth, God is on his way, he's coming. And he spoke to the, the shepherds that were out in the fields tending their sheep and they saw a host of angels and they were told uh, where they could find the Messiah, where he would be born. And he spoke to Joseph and he had to speak to Joseph, if you will, by a dream, because when Joseph found out that, that Mary was with child, now that's a problem. And as you can see, 
you know, here this young man is going to marry this young woman only to find out that she's pregnant. And when he hears the news that, well, it's not, it's not the way you thought it would have been that she was unfaithful to the commitments she made to him, but that God asked permission, if you will. I, I don't know how else to put it, but he essentially is telling her of the great honor that will be given to her, that she will be the carrier of the Son of God himself, the Father of Eternity, the fulfillment of all the Old Testament promises to the nation of Israel and to the Gentiles, the one to whom the Gentiles will look to as a light. And she consented. She allowed God to have the domain in her life. And everything changed. But she was told that she would suffer as well. A sword would pierce her. She would see the death of her son. But ultimately his resurrection as well. And it is no different for us. It is a challenge that if we would have more of God, more of his presence, more of his grace, more of his power, more of the awareness of the fingerprint of God in our lives, it necessitates relinquishing our domain and yielding it to him, to use it as he sees fit in our lives, to embrace what he has brought, asking him for grace, to embrace exactly what he's brought to us. And what do you have domain of, my friend, that you find difficult to yield to him? And so Joseph was faced with a challenge and he was minded to privately annul this marriage that was to happen. And we are told that an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, fear not to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is begotten of her is of the Holy Spirit, and she shall bring forth a son, and she, you shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. There is a purpose, Joseph. For doing what I'm doing, and I am asking you to consent to my will. And we are told that all this came to pass that so that it was as it was spoken by the Lord to the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child, as I mentioned before, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. So Joseph is now presented with a monumental message. Via a dream, God spoke to this man. And in this dream, essentially saying, I'm asking you to consent to my will. Allow me to have full dominion in your life. And what I will do is give you the privilege of raising, of tending, of taking care of the Son of God, the very one who is God himself. Now, this is nothing short of mind-blowing because a human being is going to be taking care of the child who is actually taking care of the human being. This human being is going to be raising this child who possesses infinite knowledge and wisdom and understanding and power, yet placing 
human limits on the expression of that power, that this baby, this infant, this boy that he will be the father of is the same father of eternity, the promised one. I don't know about you, but I don't think I would want that responsibility. And yet, this man, in all his limitations, yielded his domain to God and was granted the single most greatest honor that any man can have. That is to be the uh, human father legally of the Son of God incarnate. What a marvelous privilege. And so we see Mary consenting. We see Joseph consenting. Of course, there are others that consented. We think of Zacharias and uh, Elizabeth, and, and they gave consent. Um, their challenge was a little different, but for our purposes, we are looking at people who embraced the will of God. Now, just briefly, we see that Herod did not embrace the relinquishing of his domain. Because we are told that Herod secretly called the Magi and inquired of them accurately the time of, that the star appeared. And having sent them to Bethlehem, said, Go and search out accurately concerning the child, and, and when you shall have found him, bring me back word, so that I may also come and do him homage. But he was lying. Because Herod also represents people who will not yield dominion. And my friends, there are only two choices that you and I have. Every man, woman, boy, and girl has only two choices. Relinquish dominion and allow God to so fill our lives and hearts and minds, learning about him through his word in the very presence of the Spirit of God in our hearts, regenerating our carnal and, and, and degenerate human nature, or resist it and fight against God. And if God were to visit yet again, it would generate conflict. Because the Magi, uh, after hearing what the king asked, they went their way and they saw the star and rejoiced with great joy when they saw the star. And they came into the house where Mary and, 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 and the, the, the infant Jesus was and they did him homage. They worshipped him. And then they opened their treasures and presented to him gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. But because God knew that Herod would not relinquish the domain in his life to God's visit to earth, but would do the very opposite. He would try to kill this infant. The Magi were divinely instructed in a dream not to return to Herod, but to depart to their own country another way. And we saw that when Herod found out that he had been uh, bypassed, then he sent soldiers out to kill the child. In fact, we are told that he was greatly enraged and sent and slew all the boys which were in Bethlehem and in all the borders around from two years and under, according to the time which he had accurately inquired of the Magi. 
and God knowing what would happen, what the ripple effect was. And this is what I'm trying to show you, my friends, that there's always going to be a ripple effect when God draws near to us without our consent. And so was fulfilled that which was spoken through Jeremiah the prophet, saying a voice had been heard in Ramah, weeping and great lamentation, Rachel weeping for her children and would not be comforted because they are not. He killed the children, the boys, two years and under. And so, my friend, I ask you, do you want peace? Do you really want peace in your heart, in a world filled with turmoil, perhaps a home? Perhaps you're living in a home filled with turmoil. Perhaps you're in a space where you are constrained by law and cannot extricate yourself. I don't know what your circumstances are, but it doesn't matter where you are. You can have peace of heart and mind. You can have the peace of knowing that your sins are forgiven, iniquities pardoned, a relationship with God re-established. And you ask the question, well, Christian, how can peace enter my heart? The same way that it did. For example, with Mary and Joseph. Joseph found peace when he embraced the will of God for his life. To be the father, the earthly father of the true Son of God, of whom the Spirit of God was the one that impregnated Mary. And he would be given the responsibility of heading up that household for a child that was the Son of God himself. He found peace. Mary, in submitting to the will of God, though she perhaps understood it very little of it, and the enormity of it, she submitted with all willingness and humility and had peace in her heart that she was in the center of the will of God. The Magi experienced joy and rejoicing because the purpose for which they came, they found, that is, to worship and humble themselves and to present their gifts as we are called to present all that we have and are a renewed heart and mind, resources given out of the good and compassionate heart of God for his glory, his pleasure, and his purposes. And if you would have peace, if you would know peace, if you would have joy in living and submitting to the will of God, you and I can do no less than to know what is God's will for our lives, to embrace that will with all of our hearts and to follow through with loving and willing obedience to that will that we might know the very presence and power of God in our lives. My friend, this is your moment when God visits you just as he did when he came down to visit earth. May your heart be encouraged as you pause in his presence beside still waters.
Thank you for joining Beside Still Waters podcast with Christian Javois. Beside Still Waters is the quiet moment in the stillness of God's presence to receive guidance, light, and grace to live by faith. I hope you've been helped and encouraged to press on living for the glory of God. It has been a pleasure and a privilege to connect with you on this podcast. To stay connected, please follow Christian Javois on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thanks for tuning in, and we will see you on the next podcast of Beside Still Waters.